This is the Simi Sarah Show On Demand. Subscribe now on iTunes. Listen to the show each weekday 10 to 2 on 980 CKNW and through the Radio Player app. Let's talk about some of the developments so far with my guest, Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News in Victoria. Hi, Keith. Thanks for coming in. Hello, Simi. Let's talk about Surrey. We've been talking about this wild city council meeting last night that I know you were following and you've been following the developments on the story today with uh, Mayor Doug McCallum under a lot of heat on this uh, Surrey City budget, which he got through. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it pa- the budget passed five mm-hmm. to four. He's lost a bunch of his councillors, but he's still hanging on to that majority there. But it all comes down to the fight over a new police force to replace the RCMP. What's your take on it? Well, I was going to need more than this budget passing to get a police force in Surrey. Uh, I still subscribe to the theory that uh, Wally Opal's been appointed by the government here to rag the puck, to draw this thing out as long as possible, uh, to take it past the next election cycle, both provincially and potentially municipally. I think uh, McCallum, if nothing else, I think he's ensured a, a higher voter turnout in the next municipal election out there because there was a lot of people at that meeting, a lot of anger on both sides. I don't think he handled it particularly well, but it was sort of a, a, a tough situation to be in, but I think this has just exposed uh, a lot of anger that exists in that municipality right now, and a lot of it's aimed at Doug McCallum. Isn't he just doing what he said he would do, though? I mean, the guy said, look, I'm going to get rid of the RCMP, bring in a local police force. That's, that's what he's doing. That's one of the things he promised, but I heard your earlier guest, one of the councillors there who claims he was sort of um, muzzled by McCallum, saying he also promised other things that wasn't just about one ticket item here. It wasn't just about a Surrey police force. It was about improvements on a number of things that he says the budget fails to do. So I suppose McCallum, yeah, he he did uh, run on a, on a promise to bring in a municipal police force. But I go back again. I've said, you know, I've talked about this before. A municipal election, it's low voter turnout. This is a pretty big ticket item here. And he was elected really when you boil it all down because there was a split in the vote on the other two candidates. Fourteen percent of the eligible voters voted for Doug McCallum, and I'm not sure he can can really state with much certainty that he's got some sort of huge mandate from the people of Surrey. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, if you do the numbers on, you do the math on, it was. A- 33% overall voter turnout. There was a real three-way split for mm-hmm. mayor. Uh, he, McCallum ended up getting 41% of the vote. I mean, you do the math, you got like 13.5% yep. of all eligible voters. But, I mean, that's our system. I mean, how can you say that's not a a mandate? He won. It is a system, but I think mayors have to be careful sometimes, I think, not to overreach, thinking that they've got the backing of every neighborhood in town. And you see other municipalities, I think, over the years, mayors are reluctant to go too far ahead of the electorate because, again, a lot of people don't vote, but they all pay taxes. And I think this is the danger McCallum's going to run into. He might run into a buzzsaw come the next election should he choose to seek re-election because right now I think the most popular guy in Surrey seems to be the mayor and uh, he's not doing a lot to defuse that situation. What about a referendum now Mm. on a Surrey Municipal Police Force? I mean, you've even got Ken Hardy, who's a Liberal MP. Normally, you'd think he wouldn't want to wade into something as toxic as this or as polarized. But he said, look, I think there should be a referendum. We better do a do-over on this municipal police force idea. Is that even possible? Well, it is possible, I assume. uh, But uh, whether it's politically doable is another question. I don't think McCallum wants to see a referendum. No, McCallum won't do it. I don't think the NDP government, I mean, as much as they've handed this off to Wally Opal, they're just sitting back and saying, you guys have a live hand grenade right now. We don't (laughs) want to play with that thing. You guys deal with it. So I think this is very much an orphaned uh, issue with only Surrey dealing with this thing. And you've got the community divided on a, on a profoundly significant issue, the likes of which we really haven't seen before. Okay, speaking of Wally Opal, of course, the former Liberal Attorney General who was brought in here mm-hmm. by the government to kind of 
ride herd on this whole thing as they transition to a local police force in place of the RCMP. I mean, even that, there's been there's been uh, divisions between McCallum and Opal mm-hmm. about the timing of this thing because McCallum was even out there saying, well, we're going to have a critical report on this whole transition delivered this month to the BC government. Opal said, no, you're not. No. It's not It's not done yet. <laughs> and by the way, this thing is, he keeps using words like, this is complicated. It's complex. It's going to take a long time. He says it's going to take two or three years. Yeah, well, not, not surprised. We predicted that at the beginning. This was uh, not going to be a quick process. Doug McCallum's track record since he came to mayor, he came mayor. Remember, he promised he could build the Sky Train to Langley for like same amount of money. Same amount of money. Never yeah. ever showed any proof that that was possible. Just sort yeah. of said that, and we're supposed to take that statement at face value. He's also said the the police could be done like tomorrow. It was just an easy thing to do. Again, no other than that one report that's commissioned. There's really no evidence this is going to be a, a quick process. It is a complex matter. I think Wally Opal is probably crossing all his T's, dotting all his eyes, and then he's going back and doing it all over. again. Again, because I think that's the secret mission for the provincial government is to drag this thing out as long as possible. Yeah, I think the BC government and a guy like Mike Farnworth, Solicitor General, probably doesn't want to touch this thing with a no. 10-foot pole. I mean, some people were suggesting to me t- today, well, McCallum's not going to call a referendum. Maybe a referendum is not a bad idea. McCallum's not going to no. do it. Do you think the BC government's going to do it? I don't think they want any part of this. I don't think I agree with you. I don't think they want to be anywhere near this thing. This is a, a political hot potato. It's everybody involved in it is going to get, I think, a bit of shrapnel here. And uh, I don't think Mike Farnworth wants to be one of those victims. Okay, let's talk about an interesting story, Keith, that you've been following as well, and that's uh, Jimmy Patterson, BC's best-known billionaire here, um, bowing out of a bid to buy Canfor, the big uh, forestry mm-hmm. operation. What's the background here? So Jimmy Patterson's company owns 51% of Canfor. They're already the majority owner. They wanted to take the, the uh, company private, uh, so it was not subject to the vagaries of stock prices and markets and stuff. They could just manage the company on their own. But they failed to get a majority of the minority st- uh, stockholders. They needed, they needed 50% plus one of the minority stockholders. They got 45%. Uh, some of these stockholders, uh, talking to some of the officials close to the deal today, you know, these uh, people thought that the share price of $16 was too low. They thought they could get a better deal on that. I note now the share price is now less than $13. So in retrospect, wow. maybe that price looks better. But Canfor, like any other forest industry in BC, is going through a terrible time right now. Yeah. And it's. Have they got it, a bunch of their mills shut down? Or? They've got a lot of operations shut down or curtailed. Some of the mills have been closed permanently. They're trying to switch to a more value added type of product, just getting away from the old-fashioned milling two-by-fours, but that's going to be a lengthy process. Uh, they are trying to swap tenures with companies. Uh, it's a complicated time in the forest industry. There's a lot of layoffs and, and mill closures, which is kind of surprising that the shareholders here didn't take the money and run. I mean, this was a $16 a share. It was a billion-dollar takeover, cash deal. This wasn't, you know, it was all there. Uh, they could have taken the money and uh, and got out clean, but they decided to stick around, I think, on the somewhat naive hope that somehow uh, these companies are going to rebound. There's a restructuring going on in forestry, the likes of which we haven't seen before. This is not a, a boom and bust cycle. This is a real restructuring of the forest industry, which makes Canfor, I think, maybe its best days are behind it in terms of that share value. But you know, the major- they failed to secure uh, a majority here. Patterson can take another run at this down the road, and he may well do that a year or two from now. But right now, it's a, the deal's off. Okay, so Patterson's a smart guy. He's a billionaire for a reason. He knows how to make money. The fact that he was trying to swing this deal in the first place, do you think that's a good indicator or a bad indicator for the future of the company? Well, I think it, it, Patterson and his right-hand man, Glenn Clark, former Premier of VC, uh, also a pretty smart guy. I mean, they thought this was the right move for them. 
for Patterson's company and for Canfor. Uh, Canfor is the biggest forest company in BC, but it also has operations in Sweden and uh, overseas. And, and they are trying to sort of ch- take the part, the company in a slightly new direction in terms of value added products. But, uh, this, uh, Jimmy Patterson and Glenn Clark don't make any, as far as I know, bad business calls. They make good calls, and they they like to take over companies. Uh, they restructure them. It may mean some job loss, but at the end of the day, they try to make the company more profitable. And I think that's what they wanted to do with Canfor. And they could do that if they had 100 percent of the of the pie, and they've got 51 percent right now. What's going on with the strike? We talked about this last week that this brutal strike yeah. affecting uh, Western Forest Products, another big forest company on Vancouver Island. Three thousand people out of work for over five months. It was interesting to see Premier John Horgan putting down a marker in the last few days saying he wanted this thing solved and he wanted it solved fast. And he was even talking about, well, maybe I'll get it solved this weekend. No. The weekend's over. You you told me last week it wasn't going to get yeah. done on the weekend, and you were right again. What's going on with that strike? Yeah, the two sides. I mean, they, there's real uh, any reason for optimism here. I mean, it's been going on into its sixth month now. Vince Reddy, the miracle worker uh, mediator, is supposed to be involved. He can't get it done here. What I wonder, though, Mike, is uh, why hasn't the government... I just can't imagine a B.C. government under Mike Harcourt, Glenn Clark, or Gordon Campbell allowing something like this to drift for five, six months without any action at all. And there are a number of things the labor minister can do. First of all, he can call the two sides into his office and scream at them and, and you know bang some heads here, which we've seen other labor ministers or premiers do that in the past. He can appoint what's called an industrial inquiry commission to go in there and have an inquiry and say exactly what's going on here. Cooling off period? Well, you you need a legislation to do that, but he's got a ministerial order that can send someone in there to take a look at what's going on and hopefully facilitate an end of the dispute. Now, he does have Vince Reddy there. Everybody's got a lot of respect for Vince Reddy. He gets he gets deals done, but the fact that Vince Reddy can't get this thing done speaks volume of how complex and how far the two sides are apart. Okay, speaking of John Horgan, you sat down with him for a traditional kind of year-end interview with him, and I know one of the questions you asked him about was, will there be an election in 2020? He can legally govern until the fall of 2021, but that doesn't prevent him from going to the lieutenant governor. He could do it today if he wanted and say, look, I want to drop the writ now. I want to go early. What's your read on the potential for a snap election in the new year? I think he was pretty adamant, no, but as we both know, that's subject to change. Yeah. Uh, I don't think there's one this spring. I think the window starts opening for him to call an election maybe in the fall of 2020, yeah. maybe the spring of 2021. The other thing to keep in mind, and you've written about this, the Green Party still holds the key yeah. here. Uh, the Greens at some point have to establish their own identity here that is not just the NDP light. If they want to go into the next election as the junior partner of the NDP, they're just going to get vanquished. And yeah. that history shows that's what happens to the third party that supports another party in power. They've got to carve out their own identity. And I think that means taking the NDP on and, if need be, defeated in the legislature yeah. on a critical issue. And I don't think that happens uh, this year, but I think... Well, why not, could... though, with a new leader? I mean, yeah, Wilk, well, that's uh, Andrew dynamic. Weaver is yep. stepping down next month. Yep, yep. And, that, and uh, you know, we've been trying to figure out what does that do to CASA, the Confidence and Supply Agreement, right. which was signed by Weaver, right. uh, not by necessarily the new leader, unless Adam Olson or Sonia Furston will become, the city and MLA's become, become leader. So that's another wrinkle here that you have yeah. to take into consideration. I don't think Horgan wants to call an election right now. He was telling me he figures he's at the halfway point of his mandate. Well, he is. If you, if you figure the mandate goes to the fall of 2021, that is we're at the halfway point. So he says he's still got things to do. But, you know, as you know, circumstances change. I think the window may open in the fall, but more likely the spring. I wonder if maybe he's hoping that there is some sort of a breach with the Green Party, that a new Green Party leader does come in 
and decide we got to get out from under this guy's shadow. And it forces an election and it also it, it gives Horgan kind of an excuse to go back yeah. to the voters. Because I just think that there are certain elements in this government and this party right now that are thinking, you know what? We've had a pretty charmed life here for the last two years in minor in a minority government situation. Things are going not too bad. There's storm clouds on the horizon. Mm-hmm. It could get worse later. Let's go now while we can. Yeah, I think the veterans in the caucus don't want to go right now. They they waste they spend a lot of time in opposition. They don't want to go back there. You know they don't want to. Uh, but you're right. I mean, uh, looking forward, the finances don't look good for this government. Right, There's right. going to be some cost pressures. Uh, they're not going to be able to fulfill a lot of their spending promises. ICBC still a mess. ICBC could be a teacher strike. Well, um, yeah, David Eby says ICBC could literally become, in his word, a catastrophe for the government, yeah. and and that, that shows no signs of disappearing. So yeah, the problems are mounting on their plate. And it, it, there is a sentiment, I'm sure, like, uh, let's let's call an election sooner than later. But also, you need a, a reason to call an election. Right. The electorate, there's lots of history well, that's why of the I say, Maybe the Green Party gives them a reason. That could be. I mean, that, yeah. and maybe that's that's the audience looking for. But I don't think that's going to happen this spring. I think if we're talking election, I think it's still more likely the fall or the spring of 2021. Thanks for coming in. All right. All right. That's Keith Baldry. He's the Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News in Victoria. Let's take